0: But your eyes tell you it's true! Shout. I'll turn up
1: the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. And welcome to episode 132 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the first episode of February 2015. And today, for this episode, uh, what we're doing is we're playing the panel audio... From our Rose City Comic Con panel in 2013, which was called the Kaiju of Pacific Rim. Now this uh, obviously happened many, many moons ago, but this was very significant for the Kaiju cast because this was our very first, like, splendidly, awesomely attended panel outside of G-Fest. And, you know, it was just after Pacific Rim had come out, so it made a big splash, and the word Kaiju had really uh, developed almost into a household name. You could kind of say that, I guess. Uh, But we had a really great time talking about it. I had uh, Jeff and Brian up there on the stage with me, and uh, I believe I have some video of this too, so this is probably also going to make a great YouTube video for the channel. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much it. We're going to just have this and the episode, so don't forget you have uh, a handful of days left to send in your Daikaiju discussion homework for Godzilla vs. King Ghidra from 1991. you got to have that in by Friday the 20th to have it part of the Daikaiju discussion. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and play one song from the Pacific Rim soundtrack, and that is called Category 5, and then we're going to get straight into that panel audio. And we're going to close things out with The Greatest Battle on Earth from Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster by Akira Ifukube, Jamata. My name is Kyle, and I do a podcast called The Kaiju Cast. These are my co-hosts, Jeff Dean. Hello. Welcome, everyone. And Brian Cook down there. Hello. And uh, I'm assuming that you guys are all here because you're somewhat uh, fans of giant monsters. Is that right? <laughs> right on. Uh, I'm actually recording this, so uh, if you guys have questions... We have a microphone right there in the center, which, uh, if you do have a question, you just line up behind that. We'll gladly take those. Um, now, unfortunately, I did not actually create Pacific Rim, not uh, not to be confused with Guillermo del Toro, but uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, something like this movie is amazing to me as a as a giant monster fan, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Who has not seen the movie? Oh... It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Spoiler I know, alert! <laughs> I have fantastic news for you who have not seen Pacific Rim. Uh, the first thing is that a it's coming out on DVD, Blu-ray, all that good stuff on October fifteenth. Uh, and the second, second big awesome thing about that is that uh, it's actually showing in like the secondary run theaters, so you can actually go see it for like four bucks, three bucks, something like that. I if feel i like who has seen it more microphone. than
0: one time. All right, good.
1: More than two times. All right, a lot less hands. <laughs> uh, who thinks they've seen it the most? How many times have you seen it? Yeah! Five times right here. Anybody seen it more than five? All right, so, okay, so, uh, anyway, like I said, my name's Kyle, Jeff, and uh, Brian are up here with me, and we're basically going to talk about the monsters, the kaiju of Pacific Rim. Uh, for me... Kaiju is a term that just means Japanese monster. Like, the, the actual term, like if you saw the movie, it starts off and says kaiju, and the definition is giant monster. But that's actually not really true. It means strange beast. And if you want to make it giant, it means it's daikaiju. But uh, for me, uh, you know, for anybody who loves these movies, I'm assuming most of you like the the big giant monster smashing the city stuff, and that's what most people consider kaiju movies. What about you, Jeff?
0: Um, I, I agree with you. Uh, I know there's a lot of, uh, kind of Godzilla fans or kaiju fans who think kaiju, that Pacific Rim shouldn't have had the term kaiju, you know. Yeah, I've heard that, it. definitely heard that. Um, but in my definition, giant monsters, that's, that's kaiju in my opinion. Brian, yep. you have any
1: comments on that?
2: Yeah, it's not limited to just Japan. I think it's any movie with a big monster is a kaiju flick in my opinion, so.
1: Right on. Okay. So, let's talk a little bit about those individual monsters. So, uh, apologies for those who haven't seen it. I don't think we're going to get anything, get into anything too spoilery. I'm not going to be like, this monster was defeated by this Jaeger. It's such and such. So, uh, basically the first, first real monster you see in the movie is called Knifehead. Knifehead is, uh, category three which uh, they've actually done something really cool in the movie and called the scale that they, they grade these monsters on, the Sarazawa scale. Who knows who Dr. Sarazawa is? Smattering of hands. Who's seen the first Godzilla movie? Yeah, that's more like it. So Dr. Sarazawa is the guy with the eye patch that creates the oxygen destroyer that destroys the original Godzilla. So that was a lovely homage to... Dr. Sarazawa, So Knifehead Category 3 and uh, basically this is the guy that, that starts off the movie that kicks it off into such like a high gear kind of thing and uh, fights gypsy danger. Uh, Knifehead was designed by Wayne Barlow Wayne Barlow uh, is uh, one of the many monster designers that was pulled in by Del Toro to make this film, uh, to make the monsters from this film and you can see here there's some definitely uh, some, some elements that you might be familiar with if you're a giant monster fan does anybody ha- like have any idea like what this monster is supposed to be based off of Goblin shark is correct uh do you guys have anything to say about this um just kaiju
0: yeah i mean the, i thought for the for the opening of the movie having this Kaiju was like kind of very they were really trying to appeal to like old school fans
1: because of you know uh so yeah, it's it's based Gamera off of a goblin versus. shark, yeah. which is that top guy up there. If you were unfamiliar with a goblin, you know, I actually had a had trouble finding a, a nice photo of a goblin shark, but a lot of weird angles and a lot of dead ones. But that top dude is a is a goblin shark. And actually, the first time I heard knifehead, I was like, "Well, knifehead, that's Giron from Gamera versus Giron. You guys familiar with Giron and Gameron, <laughs> those guys?" So yeah, so this uh, clearly has a knife. For a head monster, uh, and definitely is, uh, is a great monster. I, I mean, who, who here has not seen Gamera versus Giron? Hands up who have not. You're not gonna get made fun of. <laughs> Gamera is a children's movie series, and basically, uh, this monster is, I wanna say, like the fourth film or something like that, and, uh, these kids get taken up to a different planet, and he's basically this planet's watchdog. And he actually does use his head like a knife, uh, and slices up another monster into basically little stakes. Uh,
2: and those are, those are ninja stars. Those are ninja stars. Well. Yeah.
1: These little stars, they come flying out like that. <laughs> uh, it's fun. It's actually my favorite of the old school Gamera films. Uh, but actually, while Giron is a giant monster with a knife for a head, they weren't going for Giron. They were actually going for the goblin shark, uh, and Zegra over there on the other side, which is also a Gamera villain was actually based off of a goblin shark. I know you're probably looking at him going, that doesn't look at all like a shark, but he swims around and he's got these weird ridges and stuff. So that is, uh, it's actually a little more closer to, to the, to Zegra. Also again, from the Gamera series and also kind of a goofy monster. Uh, would you get who who has like a knife head action figure or loves loves the knife head creature Ooh, not that many smattering of hands again that's cool i actually really do like knife head uh i can't get around this the little spoilery thing but when the attack is happening and knife head is fighting against gypsy, gypsy danger and he punches his head right through the shoulder was just a really great great moment in the film for me Yep.
2: It was a killer way to start off the movie.
1: Uh, next up, the next monster you actually see in the movie, we're going sort of in like movie chronological order that you'd see if you're watching it, is a, is a monster called Mutivore, which you only see through the television sort of broadcast, and he's attacking Sydney. Mutivore, uh, was a weird looking monster, and this, um, this line here from the top Sort of hook back. You come down to a line. That's actually his mouth. You can see it open there. Uh, and he's a bizarre, bizarre creature again, designed by Wayne Barlow. You'll hear, you'll hear certain names kind of be bandied about, bandied about during this, uh, this recording, this podcast, this panel presentation. But, uh, Mutivore is his, is the name they eventually gave him, but in development they called him Bladehead. They came up with these crazy names when they were making the actual, uh, making the movie. So basically, Bladehead, you don't really see much about him. He just kind of like uses that that blunt head to break through the wall, the kaiju wall, which is a fantastic idea. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Actually, I I did a podcast with a, a listener who eventually turned it, like made his own podcast called Nerdometrics, or Nerdmetrics. Keith Foster, who runs the Big Pimp Jones and Kadoja Projects. He started a podcast all about um statistics and it's all nerd based statistics. And so he did this one about Pacific Rim, he did another one about Godzilla. I was on both of those. It was a lot of fun. Uh definitely seek those out if you haven't if you haven't heard them, but we talk about the wall and why would the wall be a good idea and why would they abandon the Jaeger program to build the wall. Uh do you guys have any like thoughts about Mutivore, the the bladehead creature? Because he doesn't remind me of anything. I mean, I just wish we would have seen a little bit more of him. That goes for all of these monsters. For me, I I wish we would see more monsters in the movie. Even though we got a lot of monsters, just more screen time.
2: Yeah, he was one of the most original monsters. Uh, there's really no other uh, uh, monsters like that that kaiju in any other other kaiju films. So pretty unique.
1: Now back to a more reality based reality in quotation marks uh, based monster we have Onibaba which is a gigantic crustacean crab like monster you see this in a flashback sequence with the uh, second lead character Mako and basically this is the this is the thing that terrorizes her childhood Onibaba is based obviously off of a crab type creature and uh, some of the cooler concepts behind Onibaba didn't look anything like the finished version uh, uh, that you see in the movie, this guy, this one right up front in the foreground, is by Guy Davis. Uh, anybody familiar with Guy Davis's work? He he did BPRD. He was the artist on BPRD for many many years. And if you haven't read BPRD, there's some gigantic monsters in that in that comic series. Uh, the one here on the left hand side looks a lot more like what you see, and then the one on the far right over there just totally doesn't even look anything like the finished monster. Now, Onibaba, giant crab, not too hard to imagine, would, would have some sort of real world application that you could, like, base something off of. So, uh, Onibaba reminds me specifically of a monster named Ganime from the Japanese movie, uh, that we call Yog, the space amoeba or monster from space. Uh, if you see on the right hand side, Right. I don't know if my mouse is going to work over here. But anyway, the, the monster on the right hand side, that's Ganymede, essentially is a giant crab. And of course, people do, would see a crustacean, a giant crustacean on the screen and say, oh, that's like Ebira from Godzilla versus the sea monster as well. Has anybody seen uh,
0: Godzilla versus Destroya?
1: Yeah, I thought Onibaba reminded me really? a lot of the crustaceans. Yeah. Destroya has a lot of crustacean like appendages and so forth. Yeah. Thoughts, Brian?
2: You, you nailed it with the ebro thing. Bam! Alright. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. so the next giant monster that appears from the rift, the breach, is Otachi. Otachi is one of the sort of like uh, main monster villains in this movie. He gets the most screen time, I would say, of any monster. Not to mention he gets the only fights that are out of the water, in a city uh that you get to see for quite some time otachi is a crazy design um, who who here thinks otachi is their favorite of the monsters because definitely hands hands down no hands up <laughs> he's definitely my favorite uh, like without a doubt otachi even his design the cut like the the Basis of his design, it's not just a one dimensional kind of monster. He's not like, oh, let's make a giant crab. It's a bat and a, like, almost like a lizard and just crazy, like, things that it does. It spits out acid, it's got wings. So, uh, Otachi was, a lot of it was designed by Guy Davis, who created this monster up here on the left hand side which they, they dubbed Bat Ears Brady, based off of an old serial character. Uh, and so he sort of evolved through the process, and they're like, we're going to make this guy really evil-looking. And I think they really succeeded. <laughs> Otachi looks like a badass. Absolutely. I mean, I love the monsters that fly. Yeah, flying monsters are always big for me. And in fact, uh, this is an actual screenshot. Oh, You can't really see it. But basically... Uh Otachi grabs Gypsy Danger and flies away with it. And there's this scene where Otachi is gr- it's punching through the top of a rooftop with Gypsy Danger in its claws and as it passes a like sort of in front of the moon, I was like, "Oh, that really looks like Rodan from Godzilla Final Wars." Like especially if if you're able to see this screenshot the fingertips at the sort of apex of the wing look almost exactly like what they did for Otachi in that, in that particular scene. So that's sort of the inspiration that I'm, I'm linking to at the top of it. Not to mention, Jeff just talked about Destroya with, uh, with Onibaba. I would say that Otachi has some very Destroya-like qualities as well, specifically with the tail. The tail has a big grabby pincer thing and that is used to, uh, that's what ends up, well, I don't want to say for those who haven't seen the movie, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's cool. And, uh, essentially, that's what that reminds me of. And then the third monster that I was going to say it reminds me of is, uh, uh, is Manda from Final Wars, which is the monster from Atragon. Just in the, in terms, like when the, when, o, when Otachi is in the water and like kind of moving around, it's very dragon-like. You guys have any thoughts on on Otachi?
2: Well, it's the only one we get to see a baby version of, which was pretty fantastic.
1: That is true. There's a baby kaiju, adorable baby kaiju that <laughs> attempts to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a you know the 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 monster. The specifics of Otachi are, are it's like there's too many different characters, too many different uh, actual animals that it pulls from to just nail it down to one inspiration, um, but. A very, very important thing that was said on our podcast when we did our review of this film was uh, came from Dave Helfrey, who is also Baron von Gulu, who's out there on the show floor right now telling people to come to Fright Town next month. Uh, he said as soon as he saw Otashi walking, he's like, oh, that thing's going to sprout wings because it walks like a bat. So the forearm kind of movement, and I that was beyond me, but I thought it was awesome that he was able to identify that so quickly. Next up, Leatherback. <laughs> Somebody likes Leatherback. One Leatherback fan? Just one? That's it? Got a couple of hands up. That's Leatherback is awesome because it reminds me of a gorilla. Uh, leatherback is nothing but brute strength and basically brings that to the table when it has to fight... like. When it's fighting against uh, Cherno Alpha, it's, Cherno Alpha is supposed to be like this super tank, like massively powerful old school Jaeger, and uh, Leatherback just jumps up and starts pounding on it. Did you have a question? Well,
2: yeah, he didn't
1: have that EMP thing as well. As yeah, yeah. And, okay, so has anybody read the book, read Pacific Rim? Okay, a couple people. That's cool. One of the things that... uh you really get in the book that you don't get in the movie is that these monsters were actually engineered specifically to fight against these Jaegers. And that's why they're getting bigger, getting more difficult to to destroy. And Leatherback is the only one, well, Leatherback and Otachi because Otachi spits acid, but Leatherback has this tendril-y finger thing on the top of his head and this carapace on his back that actually creates this giant EMP blast that Uh, shuts down Striker Eureka, which is one of the Jaegers, and the Shatterdome, which is like the base. So basically powers down the entire, the entire thing for them. Yeah, they're Uh,
0: able to adapt, basically. So like when the next round of Kaiju come, come out, they'll have new, you know, new powers, basically, because they learn through
1: the fighting. Yeah, so it's, it's their, their own adaptation based off of the, the aliens in the antiverse that have created this. So basically, uh, Leatherback here is, is essentially a gorilla. And you can see he was, uh, he's got several different design stages, but when he really started coming into his own, which is, uh, after, um, after they've, uh, who actually, does anybody know the process of elimination that they would use, uh, with Guillermo del Toro's monster staff? They would essentially have um, uh, like the American idol of giant monster movies. <laughs> so somebody would present a giant monster idea and Guillermo del Toro and his, uh, his crew would rip into him and they'd basically choose like the best qualities of some. So you'll get to see like some really varying degrees, uh, of development during this entire process. If you don't have it, I highly suggest getting the art of book which, to be perfectly honest, is a beautiful book, very well produced, but does not have enough stuff in it. And it's not because they didn't put enough stuff in it for a book. It's like that thick. It just could be
0: so much more. And unfortunately, it's like, on Amazon, it's like a two to five month wait now for the book.
1: Yeah. Uh, but it's totally worth it if you get it. It's a really great, great book. Uh, anyway, Otachi, sorry, not Otachi, Leatherback has uh, had a really, like, crazy development. I mean, it was always a bipedal monster. Always something that was reminiscent of a gorilla. But, you know, Del Toro said, like, I don't want anything to be, uh, gorilla, uh, you know, no mammals and no, nothing furry and nothing that was like birds with feathers. So everything is reptilian, uh, lizard like, or, which I guess is also reptilian, but reptilian and crustacean and, uh, there's something else in there too. But it's, yeah. So Leatherback basically is this reptilian version of a, of a gorilla. And, uh, which of course reminds us of King Kong. Uh, and he, all of his varying degrees of awesomeness. So you've got King Kong, Peter Jackson's King Kong over there on the left-hand side, and then my favorite King Kong from 1962 uh, fighting against Godzilla. And if, you know, that wasn't enough, in 1967 he fought against a mechanical version of himself, and King Kong escapes, uh, not to mention another Godzilla-like monster called Gorosaurus. Uh, Leatherback, do you guys, what, what do you think about Leatherback? Because he's actually one of my least favorite of the kaiju, but he's still really awesome. What?
0: I think he's, I mean, I think because he's featured so much like uh, with Otachi, it's a fantastic fight scene in the movie.
1: Yeah, I was reading in the book and basically Leatherback brings this sort of like super powerful uh, brute strength to the fight where Otachi brings this like sort of cunning, slick you know, fast moving uh, aspects to the Yeah, I mean, he's not as
0: dynamic looking as, as you know, a lot of the other monsters but I don't dislike
1: him no no i don't dislike him he looks cool and they shoot him in the eye with a flare gun (laughs) those are awesome
2: i loved him because i love king kong yeah and one thing i loved about leatherback in the film was the emp pulse is very much like uh the middle uh picture is from king kong versus godzilla and in that movie toho gave king kong electricity powers uh with no explanation
1: yeah, they but, explain he gets uh, struck by lightning. Oh, I'm sorry. And he has electricity powers.
2: So. <laughs>
1: Case closed. So Brian he, drinks a lot.
2: So, yeah, so. sorry. So, so does King shock, Kong, then. though. That's right. King that's Kong true. drinks a lot. That's true. So he can shock in that movie, and I thought that was kind of a neat homage, if that's what they were going for with the EMP pulse in Pacific Rim. As, as a longtime Kong fan, that was a real, real thrill for me, so.
1: Very cool. Uh, so that, that pretty much, that doesn't end all the kaiju, obviously. We've got more, but that ends like the ones that you see outside of the water. Now, the, the next three that we're gonna be covering, um, I'm gonna just say, I love the fight, but I'm kinda bummed that it all took place underwater because it was really, it really did make it more difficult to see. Now, I've seen the movie five times, so I think I have a pretty good idea of the choreography involved. There's maybe a couple little spots that I'm like I don't understand what happened there but basically our next creature is Scunner which is another category 4 kaiju that comes out of the breach with another kaiju uh sign- signifying the double event that just had previously happened uh, anyway I'm going to go off on a tangent if I keep talking about that <laughs> but basically Scunner you know he doesn't really have like a, a real world application uh, as far as a monster goes, except he kind of looks like a bull. Would you guys agree? That's sort of what Del Toro was kind of going for. He has these sort of like big horn-like things that come off from the side.
2: Yeah, it does look that way. Uh, I'm just bummed out, like you said, that we didn't get to see more of it in the flick. So
1: Yeah, now, I actually, like in that Monsters, uh, Machines, and Man book, I might have those out of order, but inside that book... They actually talk about Skunner and the design. And for those of you who might have like a leatherback, or not leatherback, might have a knife head figure or really know what the design looks like, you might actually notice that from the neck down to the, his butt, really, like, he looks very similar. They're, they're basically the same model structure from the neck down to the tail, where the tail starts. Uh, and that was a money saving technique that they used. But, um, Scunner doesn't, like I said, he doesn't have a lot of really cool designs. Uh if you can see it, this is like over on the right-hand side of the screen, that's him just sort of as is, straight out of the a factory, I guess you could say, where he's got his bioluminescent stuff going on. And then here, this is after Gypsy Danger sort of like toasts him a little bit. But, you know, he's a cool-looking monster. I just when when you compare him to the next monster, we're going to talk about which is uh raiju yeah Yeah, Raiju's cool looking super awesome monster uh looks like a crocodile sort of like an iguana we'll cover that in a second but raiju is uh is in my opinion the star of the last fight of the movie you basically get this crazy looking monster that swims super fast so if you can imagine being uh being underground underground underwater with this thing this is this is not your natural element. It's like his natural element. And that's what makes Raiju such a dangerous monster. And you can see in the production art that they made here, uh, this down here on the right-hand side, that's a drawing from Guy Davis, again, who sort of helped uh, make his split head a-, a reality. So there's the concept art on the right-hand side, and right above it is a more finished version of the concept art. And uh, this here is what they call... In the design aspect of it, they call it a keyframe, which shows something that's happening in the movie or something that could happen in the movie to really illustrate what you know what this is going to look like to people who are interested in maybe financing the movie. So uh, this is obviously, like I said, he's based off of a crocodile and based off of uh, an iguana, like, and also a pangolin. Who knows what a pangolin is? Pangolin's a cool, like, scaled mammal. It's weird. Really cool, really cool uh animal. And basically they they designed some of the scales uh, uh, like a pangolin. Now, for me, the cool thing I thought about this monster is when he when he opens his head up and he's got that secondary head inside, that really really reminds me of an Ultraman monster. Who here's seen Ultraman? Ultraman. This monster here, Gabora, Has that sort of same thing. When he first shows up, he's got this crazy, like, shell thing that's, like, basically covering up his entire head. And then at some point, it pops open and Ultraman does battle with him and, um, rips off the pieces like a flower petal. But, uh, it's, yeah, that was the first thing I thought when I saw the monster. Yeah, I thought Raiju was very much kind of a,
0: a callback to, Really like prehistoric dinosaurs. It's the one that looks most like, you know, a, a dinosaur in my opinion.
2: I also thought it looked like Jiger from Gamma versus uh Jiger or Gamma versus Monster X here in America. I might be alone in my opinion on that, maybe, but kind of had a snout. And yeah, let's see that. That's what I, I, see I thought.
1: That. It's a it's a cool design, and uh, it really like I think what sells it for me is you know the fact that he can just move so fast when he's underwater. Like it's like, he trashes Gypsy Danger. Gypsy Danger, sorry, spoiler alert and stuff. But, uh, like, it's, those the Jaegers are so slow underwater, they, can, they can't even really do that much against Jaeger. Uh, not Jaeger, Raiju. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm not, I definitely won't spoil how that monster doesn't uh, make it, but it's really <laughs> highlight of the movie, to be perfectly honest for me. Uh, any other thoughts on, on Raiju from the gentleman up here on the panel with me? Okay, so we come to the big baddie, the category five. The biggest, baddest monster that they've seen in the movie. Now, actually, before we start talking about, uh, Slattern, does anybody here, like, understand why they had the category system? It's also, uh, in addition to it being named after the, named after the, uh, Dr. Sarazawa character. Uh, it's like a hurricane system, right? Yeah, so basically, each one is like, oh, okay, well, we've got this monster attacking us. And then all of a sudden they get attacked by a much bigger monster. And they're like, uh, oh, we gotta come up with a different classification for this monster. So they call it category two. So the first one was category one, the second one was category two. And so over the 20 years, I think that this movie takes place in, like you, obviously not from start to finish. You see that whole flashback scene at the beginning, but basically, uh, this movie from start of the universe to finish of the movie, you get five different categories shown. And this is the biggest one, Slattern. Slattern shows up, uh, oh, I forgot to say something about Skunner and Raiju and Otachi. I guess we can talk about that afterwards. But Slattern shows up, uh, because he's the third monster that comes out of the breach at the same time, making it what, uh, not Geisler, but, uh, Herman Gottlieb calls the, uh, the triple event. Now Slattern basically is hard to to link to any specific other monster. I mean, my my co-host might have something else to say about that. Del Toro told them that he wants this this monster to be like the devil, but he doesn't want devil horns. So you can see his head here; it's almost got like Hellboy-esque, like cut-off horns. Uh, but that also looks a little bit like a crown. And what Del Toro told his designers was he wants this to sort of be like the king of the kaiju, uh, which of course does not belong. That title does not belong to any of these monsters. <laughs> That's Godzilla. But uh yeah, this monster went through a great series of development. Uh you have some really cool sketches here on the right-hand side from Guy Davis showing different uh different things here. Like this the top one is his idea of, of Slattern swimming. And Slattern's got a lot of power, like I said, he's huge. But his big, big defense mechanism and offense mechanism is his tails. He's got multiple tails that he uses sort of like a, uh, uh, what did Del Toro say? It was like a, uh, a kung fu cane expert that's like sort of spinning things around and you never know when, and like, gets hit in the face with something. But, uh, Slattern is, is a really interesting looking kaiju that also, in my opinion, suffers from that underwater fight because you never really get to see how big it looks and how awesome it is, and the fact that it's—spoiler, mm, spoiler, spoiler—the spoiler, uh, fact that it 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 does what it does makes makes it sure makes you sure as an audience member that this is a really badass beast. Yeah, the head design
0: I think is just phenomenal.
1: I mean, I love the way his head
0: looks. It almost looks like he's grinning, yeah, and the horns, and it almost looks like he has like a little kind of
1: devil beard or something. Beard. Like that. <laughs> I approve. <laughs> I think we all approve. <laughs> uh, anyway, those are the those are the monsters you really see in the movie. That's the that's the kaiju of Pacific Rim, essentially. Uh, now, basically, uh, I do have some notes that I forgot to forgot to mention. Some of the monsters actually have uh, their names are actually derived from real world naming conventions. So, uh, knifehead obviously pretty easy. Knife Head... No brainer there. Uh Onibaba. Anybody know what Onibaba is? Yeah, it basically means like <laughs> ghost mom. That sounds like a comedy. Uh, it's uh basically yeah, it's like uh Onibaba is Oni means demon. And then Baba essentially means hag, so it's demon hag. And there's actually a movie called Onibaba, which was shot like it's one of the first Japanese horror movies ever made. It's uh I would say it's a good film, you know, seek it out. It's, yeah, it's a really it's, good movie. Uh, and, and, but basically that's what, that's what Onibaba is. That's what the meaning of that mo, that monster. Um, and then, uh, who was the next one in there? We'll see. Let's see. Scoop back here. Right after Onibaba was Otachi. Who knows what Otachi means in Japanese or what the name is? Yep. It's a big sword, right? Which is, you know. Foreshadowing, I guess you could say, for what happens. But um, <laughs> And then leatherback. You know, when I think of leatherback, it really invokes the whole idea of a silverback gorilla because it looks like a gorilla. But did you guys know that there's actual, actually a creature with leatherback in the name? Turtle. That's right. It's a sea turtle. And what, you, what we didn't cover is that uh, leatherback does actually have a shell on his back. That's what Gypsy Danger rips off and tosses into the bay at some point. Uh let's see right after leatherback that would be that would be scunner and scunner pardon the exiting from the uh, from the presentation scunner actually does have the, it, another real world name it's a scottish word for the feel- for a feeling of disgust <laughs> <laughs> Uh the next monster with a with a real world name is is Raiju. Raiju is a I don't even know how to describe it. Raiju is a Japanese creature, um not real. It's a mythological creature. It's sort of a like been described as a weasel with electricity sort of powers, but uh it basically has a has this cool um look to it. It's a, it's a yokai. You guys know what yokai are? For Japanese demons, ghosts and goblins. You know what yokai is? <laughs> Sorry, man. I totally cut you off there. That was not my, not my intent. But yeah, so, uh, yes, yeah. So, yokai, uh, actually, another one of my little hobbies is, is learning about yokai because there are these really cool movies called, uh, the yokai trilogy from Dae, the same company that made the Gamera series. And it's all about these really, really bizarre looking Japanese ghosts and goblins. And, um, it's highly worth watching if you're in for something that's goofy and fun and maybe not so scary, but still like a little bit creepy every once in a while. Uh, and then uh, the last one, of course, with the real-world application name, is Slattern, which is a um, let's see, Da-da-da-da. that is an old, I believe, English slur that means a dirty, untidy woman. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, so basically, th- those are uh, those are the those are the monsters of Pacific Rim. Did you guys have any other comments specifically about the monsters? Brian there has a whole bunch of notes.
2: Yeah, but you covered everything, man. That's because oh, I
1: host the podcast. I'm just his backup. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, buddies. Okay, so do we have any questions from the audience? Uh, what about the like thinking monsters in the rift? The th- uh, the monsters in the rift that you saw at the at the end of the movie, yeah, those are the those are the uh, aliens essentially called the the antiverse aliens, and basically those are the guys that have uh, engineered these monsters and pitted them against each other to sort of like, in a Darwinian's type of move, they've basically chosen the the best clones, and that that's what they're breeding. That so that's what you see. They do actually have some really cool designs in the book, which. Um, I don't know how much time we're going to have after the end of this, but uh, I did bring the book with me in case anybody wants to check it out. Yes, ma'am. Um, y- uh, yes, Huntress. Thank you. <laughs> so it's well known that, that Del Toro is... Oh, I don't think this is on. So it's well known that Dor- Del Toro is a fan of Lovecraft. Why do you think that he shied away from possible giant Lovecraftian monsters? I... I okay, first off, I... I I don't know him. I don't know Del Toro, unfortunately. <laughs> maybe someday, you guys, maybe someday, we'll be buddies. Uh, I don't know why, why he didn't. I will say that Del Toro went to Pacific Rim after his In the Mountains of Madness project got shut down because, uh, he wanted too much money for it and the studio that was going to make it basically said no. Which is silly because, like, he had Tom Cruise on board, which is a total, like, sell. And Jim Cameron was going to like executive produce it. But he still
0: wants to do In the Mountains of Madness. So you know, I think someday, maybe, hopefully, that will happen. So yeah, I assume be I mean, so, saving all those designs for, for that film.
1: Yeah, but Del Toro, I mean, he loves giant Japanese monster movies. Sorry, Japanese giant monster movies. He loves kaiju. That's why he called these monsters kaiju. I mean, he's not saying, like, this is what I would do if I was making a kaiju film. That was his nod to the genre. Any other questions? Okay, so so Godzilla, depending on what you're watching, Godzilla was a uh, dinosaur that was hibernating and then was uh, mutated and reinvigorated by by you know radioactivity, which turned him into the monster that that he is. So that's sort of like the origin story that I associate with Godzilla, but there's also a, a very um, like in the first movie, there's a there's Odo Island, which is where Godzilla first attacks, and the villagers on Odo Island are talking about Godzilla, like he is an ancient sea creature that needs to be appeased. Like I think he even says like ah, those things were better when we had virgins to sacrifice. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's that's that's essentially like what I consider to be the origin story of Godzilla. Any other questions? I see some people getting up. Let's see if there's a switch on that microphone. I think it was it was on before we might have gotten turned off. No, I think that's definitely off now. Oh, there you go. That's on. Okay. Uh, you just have to actually, get close. I, I own the, the official Godzilla compendium. And in, uh, in the book, his origin story is that he, he originally lived on Monster Island, which was a, an atomic test site for... The, the Japanese, and I guess the, the radiation from the test site, like it said something about uh, Godzilla eating a rose at the time when they started lighting off atomic bombs on the island. and Oh, really? It, That's yeah. A, yeah. was that like from the development of the script or something like that? Uh, I don't know. It, just, it was just in the compendium as I was, I was reading through it, and uh, it's like he somehow escapes into the water as all these blasts are going on, and the, uh, the radiation mutated him to become so huge. Crazy. I have not read that. I, I had the companion I got a long time ago. I'll have to check that out.
2: Yeah. And there's also another uh, origin of Godzilla, sort of, in uh, Giant Monsters All Out Attack, which is also known as GMK, where Godzilla is the personification of the soldiers that died in World War II.
1: Uh, actually, that's, uh, <laughs> that's just how he gets resurrected in that movie. Oh. That's not his origin story. That's just how he comes about. Like Because they defeat him in the first film, Correct. in the continuity of that film, and then he's sort of resurrected by the spirits of the dead that are angry that nobody remembers World War II. Yes, sir, you have a question. Um, I was just curious about something. In the film Pacific Rim, it said that the kaiju were, um, were the dinosaurs, essentially. That was the first time the aliens sent the kaiju to Earth. Right, it yes. said that, so basically, was the reason that they didn't grow so big? I mean some a lot of dinosaurs were very big, but not as big. Th- was the reason they didn't grow as big? was that because they weren't any Jaegers to challenge them, and therefore not and not like room for them to evolve because they didn't need to get any bigger? yeah, yeah you know yeah, there were actually, no cities
0: to destroy.
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. actually a really interesting uh thing that they got that they brought up in the film, Um uh, obviously, Dr. Newt Geisler says uh they they tried this before with the dinosaurs but the atmosphere wasn't right um i that is actually what the story says so i i can't like discount that because that's you know obviously canon as as far as the pacific rim universe goes but you know i'm guessing that they tried it and then the an asteroid came and wiped them off the face of the earth and that's why they you know had to just come back later i guess yes jane
2: yeah
0: um <laughs> So, kind of back onto the Lovecraftian Cthulhu thing. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: if they were to do a Lovecraft Cthulhu movie, would you want it to be like a Lovecraftian movie and have it all be all horror and macabre, or go full on kaiju with Cthulhu? I'm gonna actually turn this over to you guys first. I, I think they should go with
0: Lovecraftian, not a kaiju type movie. Yeah, That's just my personal opinion.
2: Yeah, but. I would definitely agree with Jeff on, the, on that one.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I can't, I don't, I think for me, I wouldn't want to see someone develop a, a Lovecraft film and then have like all of a sudden it be a giant monster movie. Don't get me wrong, I'll go see any giant monster movie that comes out. But, uh, like I think that would be like a discredit to the, to the fans of Lovecraft's writing essentially. Yes, sir. Alright, uh, you said that Slattern is not the king of the kaiju. In your opinion, who is? Oh, Godzilla is the king of kaiju, in my opinion. Like, right. That's not even opinion. <laughs> the first American movie was called Godzilla, King of the Monsters. It's written in stone. I mean, yeah, I mean, Slattern lasted like, what, five minutes?
0: <laughs> yeah. He couldn't have been that. Yeah. Yes, sir. I got here a little bit late, so I apologize if you already covered this. But the selection process for the or the design process for the kaiju was that the same as the design process for the mecha? Because um, he basically he wanted them to design you know these machines and these these monsters. But try I guess he just basically like used silhouettes for the mecha. But I was wondering, did they do kind of the same thing with the kaiju?
1: I you know I don't know. I didn't re- I don't have the Jaeger cast. I, I'm, okay. So. Uh, <laughs> I would imagine that they, they basically developed the Jaegers differently from how they made the, uh, developed the kaiju within the, within the actual confine. Cause they, I think they did all their work at Del Toro's studio, which is his mansion, which is called Bleak House, which is, oh, so good. <laughs> Actually, here's a question for you guys. Has anyone seen the YouTube video with Guillermo Del Toro showing the cameraman around his house? Rachel has. Yeah, you can find it on
0: YouTube. It's also on it's a supplemental feature on the uh, Criterion for Chronos.
1: Uh, his his house, it's like a second house that he built. Actually, it's got a cool story behind it. Uh, basically, he wanted to put a whole bunch of like monster stuff up in his own house, and his wife nixed the idea. And so he said, "Well, screw you. I'm going to build or I'm going to buy a new house and I'm just going to fill it with monster stuff." So he has his own like studio. It's called Bleak house, so B L E A K house. Yes, Jake. Uh, so because of uh, what what happens with Otachi, and because of the names Onababa and Slattern, um, and I don't know if it explains anything in the book. Do you think all the kaiju are female? Oh, actually, I do know the answer to this, uh, and unfortunately, it's not it's not an answer. It's it's uh, Travis Beecham. If you guys, anybody on Tumblr. Does anybody who's already on Tumblr already follow Travis Beecham? Wow, not that many. If you're on Tumblr and you love Pacific Rim, you should follow Travis Beecham because that, that's the writer of Pacific Rim and he basically posts nothing but Pacific Rim details and stuff from... They have a 400-page Bible that they made for, for the development of the film. Uh, okay, so you asked about uh, female... The, uh, Travis Beecham's answer to that was the aliens of the Antiverse don't actually have sex and gender as we would define it here on Earth. So the answer is no, technically speaking. It's Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. (laughs) Let's see. What do we got here? We, oh, you know what? Are there any other questions out there? Yes. Uh, the podcast, the KaijuCast, is on KaijuCast.com. We're on iTunes. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Twitter, Tumblr, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, if you don't know how to spell Kaiju, uh, it's right there. But you can also just look up Godzilla <laughs> Podcast, and and I, I come up as well, or the, the podcast comes up as well. Uh, yes? Um, why, did why did you skip Trespasser. I skipped Trespasser. Because all you really get from Trespasser are like three or four shots. Which is about what you got for Multivore? Mutivore, yeah. I, you know, I gotta come up with a second Pacific Rim like presentation at some point in my life. So, <laughs> before probably before the sequel happens, but uh, yeah, yes, sir. Uh, have we seen the Annabelle Barbera Godzilla cartoon? Unfortunately, yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm of the age where I watched that when I was a kid growing up. So yeah. That is the only time I saw it.
2: <laughs> Godzuki, yeah. <laughs> Don't everybody just want to
1: sing the Godzuki part of the theme song right now. Is that
2: <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> I know these people over here so they are bent on torturing me. <laughs> uh yeah, I have seen that, unfortunately. But it's, you know, it's one of those things that it, that's that's nostalgia to me. So I, like, look back on it, and I'm like, oh, man, I remember when there was a Godzilla cartoon on TV, and then I find it on Netflix, and I go, ah, I should watch this. And then I'm totally shocked at how <laughs> terrible it was. Some
0: things are better left just remembering about them. Yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. Uh, are there any other questions? Yes, sir. Just going down the panel, what are you guys, some of your favorite kaiju? That's... Amazing that you were asking that, because that was our next thing. We have two. We're going to suggest two to each of you guys. Brian, why don't you go ahead and start, man?
2: Well, <clears throat> my suggestions uh, are based on robots fighting monsters. And I would say that uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla from 1993 is a good flick to watch. It's a team of people that pilot Mechagodzilla, and they, they fight Godzilla. And if you like Pacific Rim, that's a good place to go uh, first. And... Uh, Another good recommendation which will probably make Kyle grimace is uh Godzilla vs. King Gidra from nineteen ninety one. That's another robot fighting mon- uh, Godzilla sort of.
1: I'm really hamming up the grimace for you. Yeah. So uh but those are
2: two really good movies to go to uh if you like Pacific Rim. So
1: Yeah, um I think
0: my one of my all time favorite kaiju films in um of all time is uh Godzilla Mothra King Gidra Giant Monsters All Out Attack. It's a giant name, just trying to get it out, (laughs) but it's from uh, 2001, and um, it's just, I think, it's not like corny or hammy at all, like some of the later Godzilla films got to be in in the 1970s, Um, and it's just phenomenal. It's on DVD, you can pick it up, it's not hard to find at all, and it's just totally worth checking out, in my opinion. I think it's a good kind of starter movie, too. If you haven't seen too many Godzilla films or Kaiju films, I think that's a good one to jump off and, and watch. Other than the, of course, the original as well. Fifty-four should absolutely be seen.
1: Uh, you stole one of mine. Uh, so yeah, Sorry. Jeff Jeff uh, suggested Godzilla Mothra King G- uh, Ghidorah: Giant Monsters All Out Attack, which is uh, I have three favorite kaiju film. There are three favorite uh, Godzilla movies, and that is definitely one of them. And like he said, it was produced in two thousand one, and the effects are fantastic. They're flawed, but they're still fantastic. They obviously still use a man in a suit, but they've integrated some CGI very well into the movie. Uh, And like he said, if you need a jumping off point, if you haven't seen any Godzilla movies at all, that's actually a really good one. It's got some homages to other movies. uh, And the continuity isn't crazy. Like, you're not going to step into the movie and be like, well, who are all these characters and what are these monsters coming in here? They pretty much explain it all right there. Uh, So that was one of them. The other, the other giant monster movie that I suggest, uh, would suggest because A, it's readily available and on a very awesome format is Daimajin, which is a 1966 feudal Japanese, uh, era story about a giant monster, which actually isn't so giant because, you know, he's only like maybe what, like 50 feet tall or something like that, but like for, for giant, uh, for, Feudal Japan—that's pretty yeah. giant, and uh, it's amazing. It's a fantastic film. It's done very seriously and very well, and it just came out on Blu-ray a couple of years ago and was dirt cheap, super, yeah, get, super available. Yeah, there's three
0: films in the Daimajin trilogy, and you can get them all on Blu-ray for like less than ten bucks. And, and, and like Kyle was right, it's like the film is excellently made, and it's almost like a horror film. Um, it's very dark and uh, absolutely superb.
1: So, we just have a couple of minutes left. Uh, so, in, I mean, unless there are more questions, I'm happy to answer more questions. Uh, Finn, you have a question in the back? Uh, okay, I will answer that question. I'm not a huge Ultraman fan, just to, to let you guys know. I've seen the first series and a little bit of Ultra 7. Uh, uh, my favorite Ultra series in total is Ultra Q, which actually just came out on DVD for the first time in America. Um, but my favorite Ultra Monster is that what it was, or Ultra Battle? Episode. Oh, episode. Ooh, that's rough. Uh, my favorite. Oh, my favorite one is with a monster named Yango. So there's this little this meteor that falls to Earth, and when it's around people if they think about what they or talk about what they want it to be the meteor turns into that substance animal creature toy whatever it is and this uh this dude steals it and turns it into a giant monster to exact revenge on his uh, his enemies and then promptly uh gets it gets trounced by ultraman but it's a really awesome looking monster it's got like like, uh, mechanical robot claw hands and like these weird spinny ear things. And it looks like a totem pole on its belly.
2: Yep. I'm a huge Ultraman fan and, uh, particularly I love Ultra 7, which was the second Ultraman series. Um, but in terms of my favorite episode, it would have to be an original Ultraman episode, which is called the Monster Lawless Zone where uh, they fight. Well, they don't fight, but uh, they, they find Pygmon on an island. He's a cute little monster that they meet, and he befriends them, and it's, it's a, that's a great episode. So.
1: Originally Garamon in Ultra Cube, actually. <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys all for coming out. I really appreciate this. This is a massive turnout. Uh-